the community podcast where Savannah and Adamsville, Tennessee meets northern Indiana and southwestern lower Michigan. Welcome to Roaring Light. Combining news and weather from news source one Michiana with great independent Christian music from Roaring Light Radio. Get ready. News and weather is next. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. More than four dozen people have died in that massive winter storm that starts from the Great Lakes to the Rio Grande, and the rescue efforts continue. More than half the deaths were in western New York, some in homes, others in cars stuck in the snow, and Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown says some on the street. Who were trying to walk out during storm conditions got disoriented and passed away out in the street. As the snow continues falling, officials are warning stay off the roads unless it's an emergency. Erie County Executive Mark Pollencars. We have one of the worst storm probably in our lifetime and maybe in the history of the city. National Weather Service meteorologist Ashton Robinson Cook says temperatures will start to warm by midweek, helping melt the snow. The bomb cyclone that we had last week has weakened and lifted up into Canada. Julie Walker, New York. The U.S. Department of Transportation says it will look into flight cancellations by Southwest Airlines. The left travelers stranded at airports. About 2,900 of those were Southwest passengers. Also at SRNews.com, a recently elected New York congressman has admitted to being untruthful about his background. Ben Thomas with that story. Representative-elect George Santos, a New York Republican, has admitted that he lied about his job experience and college education during his successful campaign for a U.S. House seat. In an interview with the New York Post, Santos said his sins are embellishing his resume, and he said he's sorry about it. The New York Times raised questions last week about his life claims. Santos now acknowledges that he did not graduate from any college and that claims he worked for two major financial firms are also untrue. Ben Thomas, Washington. That out of Wall Street stocks are mixed. The Dow is ahead 117 points, but the Nasdaq is down 86. This is SRN News. A battle over transgenderism in Massachusetts. A federal judge has dismissed a lawsuit by two parents who accused the Ludlow School District of secretly encouraging their kids to identify as the opposite sex. The plaintiffs say school staff were helping the children transition without permission from or notification of the parents. Public schools all across the country have been accused of adopting similar policies, sparking outrage at school board meetings and a rash of lawsuits. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Even Christmas has been weaponized in the war in Ukraine. The vast majority of Ukrainians are Orthodox Christians and would normally celebrate the holiday on January 7th along with Russia. But this year, many have opted to celebrate Christmas on December 25th, along with the world's Protestants and Catholics. The Russian Orthodox Church claims sovereignty over Orthodoxy in Ukraine. This is SRN News. It looks like there was a fourth electrical substation vandalized late on Christmas Day in Washington State. More than 10,500 Puget Sound Energy customers were without electricity across the region. In all four cases, the sheriff's office says someone forced their way into a fenced area surrounding the substations and damaged equipment to cause a power outage. His battle strategy is still studied today, but his image is banned. Due to a Department of Defense federal order, West Point is removing Confederate statues and symbols from its campus. The military academy started the process over the Christmas break, which involved removing a portrait of General Robert E. Lee that the military academy says will be moved from the library to storage. Tasha Stevens reporting. The L.A. Chargers uh, win their first playoff berth since 2018. They beat the Colts 20-13 to in Monday Night Football. More details at srnnews.com. Fox Weather. Good morning, I'm meteorologist Jason Fraser, and here's the very latest from America's Weather Center. While the historic snowstorm that blanketed western New York may have ended, but there's still a small chance for seeing just a few flurries today. We should see the sun return for most of the northeast as well as the mid-Atlantic, but it's still going to be rather chilly uh, for those of you in those areas. But by tomorrow, we should start to see temperatures rebound. Meanwhile, it's going to be warming up across the central as well as the northern plains and the midwest starting today and by Wednesday. Wednesday. 
We're expected to see high temperatures that are anywhere from 5 to 15 degrees above where they should be. We'll see some rounds of rain expected for the Sunshine State, mainly for those of you on the east coast of Florida, and that includes also those of you in Miami as well as Orlando. Get the very latest weather updates anytime, anywhere by downloading the Fox Weather app at foxweather.com. The world waits for the dawning As the world bathes brighter in Christmas lights Is that joy inside? For a moment we go back to The coming promises worldwide Christ through the silent night Behold the King who came without a crown the offering lay in his own down. The greatest gift came in nothing less. The love and tattered flesh naked for the shame I couldn't suppress. This woven in drips of blood divine. Spilled for what was mine, poured out for the guilt I couldn't confess. Amazing grace wrapped in such a beautiful mess Now the world breaks in the tension Every heart aches, hope for the hopeless soul For peace to conquer all In a moment we remember When love reigned, one over my own death Down to his final breath the king came without a crown The offering lay in his own down The greatest gift came in nothing less The love and tattered flesh Naked for the shame I couldn't suppress Swoven in drips of blood divine for what was mine Poured out for the guilt I couldn't confess Amazing grace Wrapped in such a beautiful mess
Spirit of God draws near to the throne of our Father. You fill us with joy in your presence. Your word lights our When we humble ourselves and pray
Because Christ died for me The King of Heaven said That I am free Clothed in righteousness And the Spirit lives in me Keith, welcome to Roaring Light, your community podcast that is now reaching from Savannah and Adamsville, Tennessee, and all the way up to Michiana. My name is Keith, station manager for Roaring Light Radio and News Source One Michiana. Hope you survived up there in the north through the blizzard of 2022. Uh, heard that uh, Elkhart got about four inches, but up there in Dowagic, Michigan, you got slammed with about two feet of snow, according to our great friend uh, Marion Frick there in the uh, Jimtown, Indiana area. So uh, was it overhyped? I don't know. Was it underhyped? Depends on where you're at, I guess. But you definitely got the cold and nasty, nasty weather. Down here in the Savannah area, we had some bitter cold, too. We had warming centers opened up. Um, over at East United Methodist Church and uh, Voices of Savannah um, had warming centers up here. There's churches that partnered, uh, a few churches in the area, and uh, 
the needy uh, and the homeless definitely got taken care of uh, through God's love and, and, and mercy and and, and that's an awesome thing. So, well, anyway, for those of you who are new to this community podcast, it's reaching out for a couple of areas. And uh, we're here to bring you great information and news and tidbits, coupled with some great Christian independent artist music and Christian hip-hop music on occasion as well. Uh, we're going to be doing at least two times a week uh, into January. 2023 so happy new year to you um, but then once i get settled into my house here in savannah tennessee we will be back to a daily morning podcast of news and good music to get you through your day and also we'll be on the am side of things uh, for a few blocks um, in the new location i'll give you all that information uh, once we get on the air um, in savannah on the AM radio side. So um, if you're within a few blocks where I'm at on uh, part 15 AM radio, which is legal, low power, tenth of a watt, uh, you get a chance to hear the full library, or if not, tune us in 24-7 online at Roaring Light Radio for the music. Or if you're up there in Michiana, uh, keep on listening to the great podcast of Michiana 101 by Sylvia Stark. And my roaring light and also we have Devin Height he's got from the Heightcast weather community of his uh, a new weather podcast that's been coming out now for um, since before the blizzard and it's really really good something to listen to as well um, those of you in in Michiana so anyway uh, just getting myself acclimated still down here in Savannah Tennessee uh, made my first jaunt into Jackson Tennessee uh, to pick up um my second parent's biological son and uh, that was a long haul I have to say but uh, I'm sure I'll definitely get used to it uh, much bigger town I would have to say uh, probably the size of uh, Fort Wayne Indiana just at a first guess so anyway just pray for my family and I as we get acclimated uh, to the south and enjoy this podcast of music of Roaring Light Radio so let's go ahead and um Go on to some more tidbits and segments here, and uh, we'll be back with Sylvia's news and community information in January when Michiana 101 returns. For many, the holidays are difficult times. This week, we look at ways to handle grief and loneliness during the holidays. This is truth itself. Christmas is not a joyful season for everybody. Grief, whether from loss, loneliness, or both, crescendos around this time of year for many, and the deep emotional pain can seem like almost too much to bear. Isaiah 53, 4 states, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus carries as much of the burden as we let Him, but in addition to falling into our Savior's loving arms, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association offers suggestions to ease your personal Christmas blues. The first suggestion, be kind to yourself. Billy Graham likens the death of a loved one to major surgery, but that can also be true regarding the death of a relationship, such as a divorce. Healing from any medical operation takes time, and so does finding a new way of life after losing someone close. Leave the decorations in the attic this year if you need to. Find another family member to host Christmas dinner. Most importantly, perhaps, allow yourself to cry or even scream out to God as you process. David did in Psalm 61 too. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died in John chapter 11. Your tears aren't a sign of faithlessness. They're a natural and necessary response to your loss. Let God heal you. As we learn in Matthew 11:28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Timothy Kroll from the Helios Projects says we've been called to train 3,000 untrained pastors around the world who have absolutely no Bible or theology training due to the fact they can't afford it. He said so far we have less than 700 who are waiting for training in 2022. Pray that we reach this goal. At trainapastor.com, $150 trains three pastors. That's trainapastor.com. You can see these stories and more on our website, truthitself.com. Truth Itself, news that impacts your faith, family, and country. The Public News Service, no newscast, December the 27th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. 
first from CNN, frigid weather in much of the nation continues to top the news with dozens of Americans dying as a result of a winter storm that brought paralyzing snowfalls across the U.S. Officials in the Buffalo area believe the staggering toll will continue to grow as teams carry on search and rescue missions. Nationwide, the death toll from the storm, which brought more than 40 inches of snow to some areas, climbed to as many as 49 on Monday, with 27 in Erie County, New York. CNN quotes the Buffalo Police Commissioner as saying, unfortunately, they are still recovering bodies. Some died of exposure, and some deaths were due to natural causes. And this is the year New York has seen growth in offshore wind investments, growth that experts hope will continue into the new year. In 2022, Governor Kathy Hochul announced a $500 million investment in offshore wind for cleaner energy as part of a goal to develop 9,000 megawatts of offshore wind power by 2035. Another step forward for the industry is redevelopment of the 73-acre South Brooklyn Marine Terminal for the staging of construction, operations, and maintenance for several offshore wind projects. And Fred Zalkman with the New York Offshore Wind Alliance describes another highlight. We've seen significant developments on several fronts. First, we are seeing the start of construction on New York's first utility-scale offshore wind project, the South Fork Wind Farm, which will be 130 megawatts, serve over 70,000 people. He adds there have been real estate commitments to develop a national offshore wind training center and agreements between developers and environmental groups to protect the endangered North Atlantic right whale during wind project construction. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. Next up, researchers at the University of Maine are studying how warming Arctic waters flowing into the Gulf of Maine are impacting the region's lobster population in an effort to protect both the famous shellfish and the communities that depend upon it. Already scientists say warming ecosystems have caused a decline in the survival rates of larval lobster and for some lobster populations to move to colder areas further north. Richard Wally, director of the University of Maine's Lobster Institute, says what happens in the Arctic unfortunately doesn't stay there. Lobsters are now the elephant in the room, and if things turn down for lobster, it's going to have some really important consequences. Wally says scientists hope to better understand when and where lobster populations might decline in a warming ocean and better evaluate the impact of different conservation strategies like increasing minimum catch sizes or increasing protections on egg-bearing female lobsters. I'm Catherine Carley reporting. This is Public News Service. Infrastructure problems continue to plague eastern Kentucky. That's months after severe flooding left thousands of residents without housing. According to FEMA, missed inspections or no response to contact attempts have left more than 2,000 people ineligible for assistance. Scott McReynolds with the Housing Development Alliance explained at a recent press conference that because so many homes were built in the floodplain, it's been a challenge to find available land to rebuild. And what land remains sits much higher up on mountaintops. He emphasizes community leaders are taking steps to ensure residents can rebuild sustainably. We want to get this recovery right. We do not want to settle for just a box, which is what somebody said. We just need boxes, people in boxes. We want them to have high-quality, long-lasting, energy-efficient homes. State officials say the number of residents temporarily living in Kentucky State Park's shelters is down from more than 300 to 84. More than 200 households are living in travel trailers at different locations throughout the state, and families continue to transition from temporary living spaces into long-term housing. Nadia Ramlagan reporting. And a number of small dams along Michigan lakes and rivers some operating for more than a century, are still generating hydropower energy, just not enough. Officials say the aging dams only generate 1% of the company's power output, costing more to maintain than the energy they produce. Consumers spokesman Brian Wheeler says the federal licenses to operate the dams on the Muskegon, Manistee, Grand, Kalamazoo, and Osable Rivers are set to expire in 2034. He says they've been asking Michiganders what they think. We've been engaging in community meetings to get a sense of what would happen if we were to consider selling the dams or closing them all together. And right now what we're looking at is the next step in that process, which is a study in each of these communities to get a a true sense of their economic and community impact. Mark Richardson reporting. 
Finally, our Deborah Van Fleet lets us know with the booming popularity of food trucks, the people who own and operate them need a standard set of operating rules. The Center for Rural Affairs has found a mishmash of regulations for food trucks in Nebraska cities, counties, and Department of Agriculture inspection areas. Jonathan Hladek with the center says this can make it difficult to grow their businesses. He says nationwide, food trucks employed over 38,000 people and generated $2.7 billion in revenue in 2021. And Nebraska needs to join other states that have updated their statutes to adapt to this growing industry. Primarily, they have all eliminated redundancy and they've all simplified regulation. And so now is the time for us to decide what that modernization should look like in Nebraska. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service. Remember, a listener supported our great radio station's biggest wall, your favorite podcast platform. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. The rest of the story. Not many teachers lasted a full year when Retty was school age. In that one-room schoolhouse on a hillside outside Paintsville, one of the big kids would beat up the new teacher so they'd get a new teacher. And what with that rapid rotation, not a whole lot of book learning went on. It's not as though Retty learned nothing. She learned that if she'd come to school early enough to sweep the floor and erase the blackboard and build a fire in the pot-bellied stove in the middle of the classroom, she'd be paid a dollar a month. And that helped in a household where there were eight youngsters and where Daddy worked only sometimes. But I'm by way of explaining that Reddy never really graduated, even from grade school. She stayed on to help get the new teachers started and to collect that dollar a month, but she didn't really learn anything. I mean, she didn't even learn to read or write. And when Reddy married at the age of 13, she was what we now call illiterate. She had four babies by the time she was 17 and still could neither read nor write. The lullabies she would sing to her babies were songs that she made up from what few words that she did know. Most hill folks thereabout grew up the same way. Few knew who the president was or cared. Midst rocks and scrub pine and raggedy oak, the houses of hill folk were up on stilts either front or back. Any level spot had to be saved for garden and... Here was this baby with babies, picking strawberries, changing diapers, fixing bottles, back to picking, never learning to read or write. And then one day she was 17, and she was sitting in their hillside cabin with her mother's Bible in her lap and aching inside because she could not read the words. And out loud she said, God, help me to understand what it says. And starting that day, little by little, she did. She began to read and understand words and then to write them, and And one day, Retty was not illiterate anymore. It has not come easy. Wherever she is at this moment, there is a dictionary beside her. She is still learning. But this is the rest of the story. One day when she was 21 and all of the young'uns were in school, her husband, Dew, said, Ready, honey? Said, I was hearing some singing on the radio. And you know you used to sing that pretty when you was rocking the babies. Why don't you sing anymore? Six years from that day, Reddy's singing had embraced the world of country music. That day, and for more than 20 years since, she has never been off the charts of bestsellers, never, ever. Fifty albums. She owns five companies that produce the music she writes and sings. She has won every honor that country music can bestow, and yet still running scared from the poverty of that hillside cabin in Butcher Holler, Kentucky. This first lady of country music still travels by bus to 200 singing engagements every year, reading along the way, everything, anything, ancient history currently, with a thumb-worn dictionary at her side. The little girl who became a mother four times over and was still unable either to read or to write was the coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn. And now you know the rest of the story. 
With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, continuing to look forward to some of the major news stories that are expected to dominate the headlines in 2023. And Russia's war in Ukraine seems set to continue throughout the year, with no meaningful discussion yet taking place about any kind of negotiated settlement. Patrick Wintour is diplomatic editor of The Guardian newspaper. Putin has a worldview which is that the uh, disintegration of the Soviet Union was one of the greatest geopolitical disasters of the 20th century and the Soviet Union needs to be reconstituted, maybe not as a communist state but as a Russian-led state and he wants not just to win back Ukraine, which he doesn't think is a country, he wants to uh, win control back over ideally Baltic countries and other countries that have either joined the European Union or independent. And I just don't think that's possible. I mean, you're, you're de- I mean, as President Kennedy said once, you can't negotiate with someone who says what's mine is mine and what's yours is negotiable. Mm. And that's what we have at present with, with Putin. He has to learn that this does not pay off because if he does does succeed, uh, it's not that he will sit back and say, well, I've got Ukraine. He will regroup and go elsewhere. Which is one reason why Western unity over Ukraine has been a hallmark of 2022, though the longer the conflict continues, the more potential there is for cracks to appear in the transatlantic alliance. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. South Koreans to become a year or two younger. This is BreakingNewsEnglish.com. A new law in South Korea means South Koreans will be a year or two younger. The law was passed last Thursday. Before it was passed, there were three different ways that people could tell their age. South Koreans could have three ages. One was an international age. This is the same as how most people in the world calculate their age. A baby is zero at birth and becomes one year old, a year after it is born. The second was a Korean age. Under this system, babies are considered a year old on the day they are born, and then a year is added every January the 1st. The third method was a calendar age. This makes babies zero years old at birth, and a year is added to their age every January the 1st. The new law simplifies age in South Korea. Lawmakers hope it will end confusion about how old people are. From June 2023, all official documents must use the standard international age. It will be used for the legal ages for drinking, getting married, smoking and military service. It should help to end legal and social problems caused by the old system. However, many people will continue to use the Korean age in informal situations. A Korean Twitter user was relieved there is a new law to make things simpler. She tweeted, I'll become two years younger. I'm so happy. I turned two years old two weeks after I was born, as I was born in December. Finally, I'm about to get my real age back. Sometimes I worry So I keep busy And I'm in a hurry To drown out the thoughts in my head Then God whispers my name He calms my very soul
Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. There's a whole lot of Christmas songs being played. There's one uh, from Stevie Wonder, which is an oldie but a goodie. He sings these lyrics. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no wars when we have learned what Christmas is for. When we have found what life's really worth, there'll be peace on earth. Well, I'm all in on peace on earth. So let's consider what Christmas is for by going back to an even older song. Let's listen to the original Christmas choir who had a hit long before Stevie, way back in Luke chapter two, verses eight to 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
Now, let's remember first, these shepherds have to be frightened out of their wits. It's late. Their eyes have adjusted to the blackness of night. And in the blink of an eye, it's brilliant light. And it's an angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shines around them. <laughs> They're terrified. Which is why this angel begins with, fear not. And then the angel says, I come with good news. What's the good news? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let me ask you, do you think any of these shepherds were expecting a baby this night? But they're told in no uncertain terms that this Savior child was born to be theirs. And then the angel gives them a sign to prove it. He says, you'll find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. What kind of sign is this? I think it's exactly the sign these lowly shepherds needed. It's a personal invitation so they could believe that this grace, this gift really and truly was for them and for all people. Imagine if the angel had said the sign was a baby in a palace crib. Well, these shepherds would see Jesus was a Lord like Augustus Caesar, someone unapproachable, inaccessible to the likes of them. In this invitation, these men find, as Stevie said, what their lives are really worth. God sent a Savior who is so low, so humble, that any person, all the people, even the worst person, one who thinks they're little more than a dog, could hear an invite to come to a manger that's an animal trough. They could know this grace was truly meant for them. This child came to be theirs. So they have a Savior. And it is at this moment the angels break out in that song so they can further learn what Christmas is for. Verse 13, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Did I say Christmas choir? The word host in the Hebrew actually means army. <laughs> They're face to face with an angel army. Do you think it was a relief when they began singing, Peace to men on earth. You know, the book of Revelation spells out what angels can do if their earthly mission isn't peace. I think at this point it's beginning to dawn on these shepherds why they can have great joy. Because, my friend, you cannot have any real joy if you don't have peace with God. And God wants them and us to see that this peace is so sure it merits the first angelic choir performance given since creation. Seeing this awesome display and hearing the glorious song of peace with God, I guarantee you that not one of these shepherds was thinking, well, God's peace sounds nice, but we're already covered by the Pax Romana, you know, the peace of Rome. That would be utterly ridiculous. But I say this because I find many folks are really fixated on our national crises. And while we should be concerned and pray for and seek our nation's welfare, Friends, we shouldn't get too worked up over things on the home front because we will not find the peace that our hearts long for here on this earth. We won't find it on this earth. Rather, we're going to find it in the new earth. And it is only there and then that we will truly find out what Christmas is for. My friends, the Father sent His Son to die on the cross in order to bring an end to all wars, to bring forever peace on a new earth, to all those with whom he is pleased. And you may be thinking, maybe what those shepherds were at this moment. I want this peace, Pastor Joel, that comes to those he's pleased with. Joel, how can I know for sure that God is pleased with me? That question, my friend, can only be answered by asking another question, which apparently these shepherds did. The question is, what do we do with the sign of a baby in a manger? What do we do with this invitation? And I pray that like the shepherds, you will make haste to worship this King who comes meek and lowly, and then join the angels in singing, Glory to God in the highest. And trust me, that's an oldie but a goodie that's worth singing for all of eternity. There is no greater joy to be found than in the forever presence of your loving God. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Praise God for
from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son,